Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Ridge Church Podcast. If you'd like to learn more about us, check us out online at theridgechurch.net. Also, be sure to connect with us on Facebook and Twitter. Thanks for listening today. What are your responsibilities? Now, if you had to make a list, like, I want you to think in your mind, like, of the 10 biggest responsibilities that you have, what would those look like? And what would rank number one in your life as far as what you have to do? Now, a lot of time when we think about responsibilities, responsibilities are really tied to a role in your life. So the role is what dictates the responsibilities. And all of us have many roles in our life. Um, if you think about it, like just to put this in perspective, a job. So if you have a job, when you apply for the job and you get accepted to a job, right, there's a job description. And there's all these things, expectations or responsibilities that you have to do in order to perform that job. Correct? So when I was younger, my first job ever, I worked in a movie theater. And just to tell you how long ago that was, to give you an idea, Home Alone 1 was in the theater. And I remember I would go purposely, like I would sneak into the back of the theater and like watch the last 15 minutes of the movie because, you know, that's the best part of Home Alone. So every time it was on, I'd go in there. But when I was hired on, my responsibility was different tasks that I had to do. One was like to tear tickets. Another one was to fill the popcorn. Like I had to get there early and they had this big popcorn vat and I had to fill it and then scoop all the bags into it. And to this day, I get nauseous. Like the smell of popcorn in a theater is not pleasant for me at all. Like I don't understand popcorn in a theater. People are crunching on it real loud. I'm like, why is there popcorn in a movie theater? You may love it. Right now, I go into a theater, I'm still like, oh, because of when I was younger, that was my responsibility to take care of that. And then I had to go, I was the guy who had to like, you know, people just throw their stuff on the floor and you have to like sweep up all the trash. Like that was my responsibility. As I got older and different jobs that I had, I worked at a a place called the Museum Company. Now, the Museum Company, probably one of my favorite jobs that I had when I was younger, this was a retail store that served uh, or that sold uh, stuff from museums. So it was like paintings, like you could buy painting replicas. It was pretty much there. That was the big thing you would buy there. So all over the store was like paintings everywhere, anywhere from like $300 up to $1,000 that you could buy and purchase for your home. There was also games and fun stuff like that for the kids. I loved working at this job. So I was a manager there, and my responsibility was to close the store. So one night, I thought it would be hilarious if what I did was prank the manager that was coming in in the morning who would open. So I told my entire staff, I said, what I want you to do is I want you to turn every painting in this place upside down. So they went around, and they turned all these paintings upside down in the entire place. And I thought, this is going to be hilarious. Like, when they come in in the morning, they're going to be like, oh, Brian's so funny that he made everybody do this. So the morning comes, and I get no call. I'm like, surely they would call me, like, to find out what was going on. So I called them, and they were in a panic because they thought somebody broke into the store the night before and vandalized the entire store. So they were like checking inventory to see what was stolen and everything that was going on. And I was like, oh, I wrecked my responsibilities. I did poorly in that decision what I have done. <clears throat> These kind of responsibilities that we're giving. But as a role, you see that these lists of responsibilities, and I didn't follow them well, are things that we are given. 
These happen in all areas of our lives, right? So if you are a husband or a wife, if you are married, there are certain roles that go along with that. When you are married in a covenant marriage, you come together and you say, you know, I will, I will love you, I will honor you, I will cherish you, you know, until death do us part, right? That is my responsibility and that's what I'm supposed to do, right? If you, uh, could you imagine if I, if I went home to Desiree and I was like, you know what, today I don't feel like being a husband. I don't have any responsibility, so I'll just see you later. I don't want to deal with you. Like, that would be terrible. That is not the way you want to live a marriage, And if you think about being a parent, even, parents, if they don't follow their responsibilities in taking care of children, what happens? They can even be arrested or the child can be taken away if they are neglected, right? So all of these responsibilities go along with the role that they are going to. This happens everywhere in our lives. And I wanted to make that known to you and I wanted you to think about that because I cannot believe, the more I was thinking about this this week, in Western culture, The idea that you can be a Christian, the role of a Christian, and not have any responsibility is mind-blowing. Like, that's what people think. Like, I can go to church, and I'm a a Christian. So I can just say I'm a Christian. You know, I don't have to serve. Nope. I don't have to have community. I don't even have to go to the building if I don't want to. And while technically that is true, you can be a Christian without coming, stepping foot into a building, into a church, That is not the way God intended it to be. The role of Christian, if you have surrendered your life and you're a Christ follower, has responsibilities attached to it. And I think a lot of times we look at it and we're like, well, not really. Like, I don't have any responsibilities. No, we do have responsibilities. Now, as we look at the text today, uh, we look at... Uh, the responsibilities that come with being a Christ follower, with being a follower of Jesus. Jesus is addressing his disciples and his followers here um, in this text. So in the parable today, he is, he is stating these responsibilities. And what I want you to do is when you go through this, I want you to do a heart check. Because what we're going to do is we're going to go through and break this down, what he is telling the disciples through this parable. But then I also want you to kind of step back and say, okay, where's my heart in this? And what is my role in this as a uh, believer? So, all right. So let's review just a little bit. If you're here today, uh, we are in Mark chapter 4. And if today is your first time, it's a good idea uh, just to review just a little bit to get you caught up. Um, So Mark was written by John Mark through the eyewitness accounts of Peter. Uh, Now, this is one of the synoptic gospels. And what does that mean? So hopefully we've said this enough that you understand. There's four gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Three of them, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, are called the synoptic gospels. Why is that? Because many of the stories, different There is a different view on Jesus and Jesus' ministry because they are written to different audiences, but many of the stories overlap. When we look at all three of these Gospels, it gives us really a full picture of who Jesus is. Now, um, the Gospel of Mark is written to a Gentile audience, and it's the shortest Gospel. And we've seen much happen uh, through chapter 4. Jesus has begun healing. He's casting out demons. He's preaching. Everyone is amazed by what he is doing, except the Pharisees. The Pharisees are plotting now to destroy him because of the things he has said and, um, and, uh, and the way that he is healing and how he is claiming to be God. Um, he continues to turn everything upside down. He, at this point, he has chosen his 12 apostles, 
And his teaching at this point has now shifted. He's begun to change the way he teaches because he is now teaching in parables. So what is a parable? Well, it literally means cast alongside. Now, Raleigh did a great job explaining this last week. Jesus' parables were stories cast alongside a truth in order to illustrate the truth, right? So they come alongside of that. Another way to say this, and maybe you've heard this before, it's an earthly story with a heavenly meaning. It's an earthly story with a heavenly meaning. The earthly part is because it relates to what is going on in the lives of the people it's being told. They can relate to it, but it has heavenly meaning in it. There are 35 total in the Synoptic Gospels, and uh, they have a twofold purpose. So the first one is to reveal truth to those who wanted to know. And the second thing is to conceal the truth from those who were indifferent. Um, and we saw this last week in the parable of the sower. So in that, Jesus shares the purpose behind the parables. And I want to read that to you in verses uh, 11 and 12. It says this, And he said to them, To you has been given the secret of the kingdom of God, but for those outside, everything is in parables, so that they may indeed see, but not perceive, and may indeed hear, but not understand, lest they should turn and be forgiven. So last week, some of the points that Raleigh gave were the one was it, it starts with a heart willing to listen, right, to understand, to listen. And another one was, to those with a heart to listen, the secret is revealed, right? So in these parables, you see the secret is revealed to those who are willing to listen and understand. The takeaway last week was, bearing fruit is evidence of saving faith, is where we finished up in that text. So this week, uh, we see that Jesus continues with the parables, and really what he's doing, he is revealing the responsibility to the disciples, his followers, on what that looks like. So he's revealed the truth, and now he's telling them what they should be doing with it. Um, so if we talk about truth, what am I talking about when I say truth? If we look at verses 11 and 12, uh, it is the secret of the kingdom of God. So what is the secret of the kingdom of God? Well, it is Jesus is the Messiah, right? And this is what is coming to pass. This is what is coming to be revealed in this truth. So that is what I mean when I say truth. So what is our big idea this week? Our big idea is this. Truth is trusted to believers for a purpose. Truth is trusted to believers for a purpose. If the truth is trusted, then something must be done with it. There is a purpose that this truth is being shared with them and what they are supposed to do. He has given them the truth, so what are they going to do? So what do we, we'll see about these men and the responsibilities of following Jesus. And then what I want you to do is that's where we kind of step back and say, well, what can we as followers learn from this as we study this also? So let's break this down. We'll start in verse 21. So verse 21 says this, and he said to them, is a lamp brought in to be put under a basket or under a bed and not on a stand? So immediately he is talking, remember, this is a, a, an earthly subject with a heavenly meaning, right? An earthly story with a heavenly meaning. So we look at what he is saying here. So he's bringing up this imagery of a lamp, 
and a lampstand, right? So I have an image here of what a lamp looks like. So you're not thinking of like that lamp that's sitting beside your couch at home. This is what a lamp would look like uh, from then. It is, it is uh, flatter and is filled with oil, and it has a wick that comes out of it. Now, this wick that comes up, this was the light that they would use to light their homes, right? So there was an, it was an open flame that was there. Now, you would see that it put, it's put on a stand, like this pedestal that you see in the picture. Now, another illustration of a lamp or, and a lampstand could also be a candle with like a menorah, like a candelabra kind of thing also. That is also referred to um, in the scripture. This is what we are talking about today, so this sort of lamp. Now, when you look at this lamp, because this is a lamp that would light a home, you see the open flame, right? So to put it, uh, a bowl over it would do what? Well, it would extinguish the flame, right? It would put it out. And even if you think about putting it under a bed, like that would be insane because why would that be? It would catch fire. Like it, there would be no purpose in that. So he's using this imagery. Now, if we talk about light, light is used throughout God's word. So some examples that I just kind of want to give you to get a, a broad perspective here is probably the biggest one is John eight twelve. It says this, Again, Jesus spoke to them saying, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Right? So Jesus is the light. He is the light of life. You know, and through this text, we always see a contrast of the light and the darkness. If we go in the Old Testament, Psalm 119, verse 105 says this, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. One of the more popular scriptures. And what does that mean? If you think about it, it is talking about God's word, his text, his scripture, right, is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. It lights the direction to, so I know which direction I should go. I follow the scripture. I follow the text because it is a light into my path. So these are just two examples so looking at the text that we're in today, it is really, this is an answer to a question that was posed before. So it's posed from verses 11 and 12. And the question is this, should the truth be hidden? Should the truth be hidden? In the text from verses 11 and 12, it says, so that they may indeed see but not perceive and may indeed hear but not understand. So the question that they would be wondering and thinking after hearing that is, well, are we, are we supposed to hide it? Is it supposed to be hidden? Is it supposed to be something that we keep that no one else should see? Well, this text right here, this parable, is the answer to that question. And the answer is no. The truth should not be hidden. It should be what? It should be seen. It should be seen. So that is our first thing that we look at today. What do we see about truth and their responsibility? Truth is to be seen. Truth is to be seen. That is the purpose of the lamp, right? Because they may be thinking, well, no, this is, Jesus is telling us stuff, so we're just going to keep it here, right? This is something that he's telling us, and he doesn't want anybody else to know. But he is saying, no, this is something that will be seen, and it should be seen. If we looked at one of the other Gospels in Luke 8.16, uh, it says this. So this is the parallel verse of the one we're studying. So I'll read through this whole thing. Uh, 
It says, no one after lighting a lamp covers it with a jar or puts it under a bed, but puts it on a stand so that those who enter may what? See the light, right? There is the purpose. It is to be seen. Those who enter must see it. Verse 17, for nothing is hidden that will not be made manifest, nor is anything secret that will not be known and come to light. Take care then how you hear, for to the one who has, more will be given. And from the one who has not, even what he thinks that he has will be taken away. So that text right there, as we look in Luke, is very similar to what we are studying today. But you see the point there that those who enter uh, may see the light. That is the whole purpose of what he is saying. Now, as we look at other texts, Jesus also calls, when we talk about light, Jesus calls his followers the light and that they must also be seen. And I want to read that too because I think it's important. Matthew 5, 14 and 16 says this. You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand. And it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. So we see the same kind of illustration that he is posing here about a light not being covered, but to be seen. And in this instance, he's talking about what? The believers, and that they should let their light shine before others. So what? So that they may be seen, and that may what? Reflect the Father. So I would ask you today just to stop and reflect on that just a second. Are you a light in how you live your life, the conversations you have, the interactions you have, how you love others, are you a light? Or are you hiding the light? Is this something you're not showing? You're keeping inward instead of outward. And I want you to reflect on that. It's not a private club where we have this great secret. It is great news, right? But it is to be shared. It is to be seen. All right, let's go to the next verse. Verse 22, for nothing is hidden except to be made manifest, nor is anything secret except to come to light. Now, as you go through this, uh, it's almost like a tongue twister. It's like, what is being said here in this text? So it's talking about things that are hidden, right? Only they're hidden because they are to be made known. Now, if you look at this, what we're talking about is who Jesus, if you think about who Jesus is, because previously in the, in the past scripture that we came across, Jesus was like, listen, don't tell anybody, don't tell anybody. But as he is going throughout his ministry, what is happening? These things that are hidden about him are coming to the light. It is being revealed who he is. So this concealment is a means to what? To revelation, that he will be made known. So manifest, the word manifest used there is to display or show, right? To come to light. And that is what it's talking about. So what do we see here about truth and their responsibility. Truth is to be revealed. Truth is to be revealed. Now, not only talking about who Jesus is and through his ministry at this time, he will be revealed, but also the truth that they will be revealing about him. Their responsibility is to reveal the truth. Um, 
It is to be seen, and it is to be revealed. Um, I want to read this text right here. This is after Jesus. He's getting ready to send out the 12. So this is later in our timeline. And um, what he's doing is he's addressing their fears because he's getting ready to send them out. And he even tells them that you are sheep among wolves. Like, so you're going to be going out there, but I want to give you this assurance. And he says this in Matthew um, chapter 10. So have no fear of them, for nothing is covered that will not be revealed or hidden that will not be known. What I tell you in the dark, say in the light. And what you have whispered, proclaim on the housetops. I love what he is saying here. And I would say, look at this. So he's saying what? Listen, I'm, you're going to be going out with these people, right? And they are wolves. But listen, don't be afraid because what? The truth is going to be revealed, right? And he is even telling them, you know, what you have heard in the dark, say it in the light. I'm encouraging what you hear whispered, proclaim it on the housetops. So what does that mean? Well, a housetop, what, is the highest level? You go to the very top and what? You shout it out for everyone to hear. That's what it means. So when you look at that, how do you talk about Jesus? Are you keeping it close? Are you not talking about it? Or are you shouting it from the rooftops? And I don't mean literally. I don't want to drive past your house and see you standing, well, I, miss, I guess you could, screaming at the top of your lungs. But I mean, it should be like so important to you that people should know your faith, should know how you feel about Jesus. To shout it from the rooftops. Um, when you think about it, what you do reflects who God is, right? If you are to be the light and that reflects God, this is also referenced in John 3, verses 20 and 21. It says this, For everyone who does wicked things hates the light and does not come to the light, lest his works should be expo- exposed. But whoever does what is true comes to the light so that it may be clearly seen that his works have been carried out by God. You see two different things there. You see the wicked things and what? That hates the light. That's kept in the dark. It does not come to the light. But whoever does what is true, what? That comes to the light so that what's the purpose? So it can be clearly seen. It can be revealed who God is. So we must not hide the light when God gives us the opportunity. This is part of our responsibilities. When you look at your role and who you are, are you hiding the light? Are you sharing the light? We must share Jesus, right? You know, and I've talked to people, even this past week, I've talked to somebody about what it means to share the gospel. You know, you talk about the gospel, and, and Raleigh did a good job of talking about this earlier, that, you know, we are enemies. We are born enemies because of the fall, right? If we are born enemies, there's no hope. We are dead. Only God can make us alive. And God has a perfect plan. And what did he do? He sent Jesus to take the sacrifice, the penalty that we deserve, the wrath of God that we deserve, He took it on the cross so we could surrender and come and trust in him. That is the gospel. 
And you know, when you talk about that, it's, it's hard to share. But I, I want to encourage you, because when I was talking to somebody this week, I was like, just tell your story. You know, talk about how Jesus changed your life. And if you're here today and you can say, listen, this is who I was, this is what Jesus did, and this is who I am now, that's your story. When we do testimony videos, um, we're going to be having some baptisms coming up. That is what, when people are telling their story, that is what we encourage them to think about. So what was your life like before Jesus? Well, this is, you know, this is where I was. I, you know, I, when I grew up, I was far from Jesus. But then what happened? There came a time when I surrendered my life when I was 24 years old. And then after that, this is what Jesus is doing in my life. And this is where I see, you know, God moving around me. That is your story, and that's how you can share the truth. God does not light your lamp for you to hide it. God does not light your lamp for you to hide it. The truth is to be revealed. So proclaim it on the housetops. So I would ask you, is the truth being revealed in your life? All right, let's go on. Verse 23. If anyone has ears to hear, let him hear. Now, this is one of those phrases you're like, okay, wait, that everyone has ears. Like, what, what is going on here? If anyone has ears to hear, what does that mean? Because everyone does have ears. Um, it really means all who have been given his words. Like, all who have listened to what he has said or listened to the truth, let him hear. So what do we see here about truth and their responsibility? Truth is to be heard. Truth is to be heard. So I want to kind of make this clear for you. So there's a difference between having ears and then having ears to hear. Now remember, he also brought this up. We saw this back in verse 9, which said this. And he said, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. Um, it's really about truly listening to what he is saying. It's, it's about hearing the truth and listening. There's either two options. It's like passing straight through. You know, if you've ever, if you've had children and you know that like when you tell them something and you get that, that look on their face and they're like, Meh, you know, it's like I'm telling you something and it just comes out the other side. It's like passing through, right? They have ears, but it's passing through. The other thing is, the other option is those who truly listen, like you see it, like they understand when they are told. It's another way of saying this, listen up, pay close attention. That is what he's doing. He's saying, listen up. Now, if you think about a classroom of students, now, if you, if you were teaching a classroom of students, and maybe some people are here are teachers, if you look out into a classroom of students, you can tell there's like, it's split. Like you can see like those who have ears and those who have ears to hear right? Because those who have ears may not be really listening. They may be distracted or other, but those who have ears to hear, they're listening. They're engaged in what is being said. So who are you in the class in this instant? Are you eager to learn? Everyone has ears, but not all listen. So telling my own story, like when I grew up, my parents divorced when I was young, and there was a time when I was going to Ginghamsburg Church. My dad was going there, and I was going like every other weekend I was visiting. I had friends there 
So that was the big draw. I'm like, okay, well, I know some guys from school. They're my good friends. I'll go along with them. That's really the only reason I went. At that time, I was also, I went to um, Ichthus, which was a Christian, like, concert. So I heard Christian music. I was there when I remember there was communion being done. And all of that, I was there. I had ears, but I didn't have ears to hear. I was even in a band with this, uh, my friend, who was a Christian, and played Christian music. I was playing bass guitar in a band, playing Christian music that was proclaiming Jesus and proclaiming God, and I didn't have ears to hear. I was still blind to it. It wasn't until I was 24 years old, when I was broken, I had hit rock bottom, and somebody then explained the gospel to me. It had been said before, but I didn't have I only had ears. I didn't have ears to hear. So now I have ears to hear. I understand and I am listening. And I say, aha, it makes sense. When you think about it, the way is narrow, right? There is, everyone has ears, but how many have ears to hear? Matthew 7, 13 and 14 says this. Enter by the narrow gate. For the gate is wide and the way is easy that leads to destruction. And those who enter by it are many. Verse 14, for the gate is narrow and the way is hard that leads to life. And those who find it are few. Now, I want to make a couple points there. Number one, it's narrow, right? So I want to encourage you, if you're here and you're like, okay, I have ears, but I don't know if I have ears to hear. Are you listening? Do you understand when you hear gospel and what that means? For the gate is narrow and the way is hard. So also you see there that it's not something that's easy. Like by the world's standards, you live by the world, that's easy. Choosing the narrow path is hard. Right? We talk about what is the responsibilities. So the truth is to be heard. So he is saying, listen up. Not only hear, but listen. I wrote this down in my notes. I was thinking, like, what if I was looking at a classroom, how would I know who was engaged or not? It would be people leaning in, right? Have you done that before when you're, like, you're, you're at a lecture, you're, like, leaning back, you're, like, oh, I'm not really listening. And all of a sudden, you're, like, oh, what is this? And you lean in, right? Because all of a sudden, now you're paying attention, I want that to be a picture in your mind. Like when you come to scripture, when you are, when you are engaged with God, when you're in your quiet time, when you're, when you're hearing God's word, lean in. That is how you can be engaged. So the truth is to be heard. All right, let's go to the next verse. Verse 24. And he said to them, same, we're along the same idea here, pay attention to what you hear. With the measure you use it, it will be measured to you, and still more will be added to you. So there we see, pay attention to what you hear, right? Listen up. It's the same idea. So other translations, other than the ESV, say take heed what you hear, or carefully consider is another way to say it. Like, you should be engaged and listening to it. Take heed what you hear. But when you pay attention, you Learn. So what do we see here about truth and their responsibility? Truth is to be learned. Truth is to be learned. So it says here, which is interesting, that it's this talking about measuring. So I want to talk about that for just a minute. What does that mean when it says 
Um, with the measure you use it, it will be measured to you. So you look at that, and it's like, well, what does that mean exactly? Why is he talking about measuring things? Well, I want to give you another example because this is used in other text. And this is another example with a warning. And then I'll kind of explain it. Matthew 7, verses 1 through 3 says this. Judge not that you be not judged. For when the judgment you pronounce, you will be judged. And with the measure you use it will be measured to you. Right, So there's that measuring again. So what does that mean? Why do you see the speck that is in your brother's eye, but do not notice the log that is your own eye? All right. So when you look at that warning and what it's saying, this is a negative way to, to talk about this measuring piece. It is really saying what you put into it is what you're going to get out of it. So when you judge somebody, right, you are going to be judged for what you are. What you put into it is what you get out. So the more you learn, so now put it in context of the scripture we're looking at here. The more you learn, the more you will want to learn. Now, I think about this. So my daughter Ari up here playing guitar. Man, she rocks the guitar. Like, she's so good. And I, like, early on I said I play bass, Right? And I wanted to play guitar for a brief time. And I know like three chords. Like that's it. Like I, I, so in this analogy, the measure I put in, right, learning three chords and no practice, is what do I get out? I stink, right? See, so what I put in is what I get out. Like if you look at it that way is what this is saying. So if you put this in the context with the disciples, he's saying pay attention What you hear and learn, so what I am telling you, the more you will understand and share. And still more will be added to you. They were to learn because they were to go and share. So, talking about learning, how do we learn? Well, we have the word of God. I think this is important. We should address this. 2 Timothy 3.16 says this. All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness. One of my favorite scriptures there, why? But I want you, we say that, we read this one so often, but I want you to stop and think about that. Because all scripture is breathed out by God. Like, we rush through that, and we don't stop and say, okay, whoa. Like, do you understand the weight of that? And what our Bible, what the word of God is, have you considered the depth and the value of the Word of God? Now, I was thinking about this this past week, like, so I'm, I'm Gen X, I'm, so I grew up in no technology, and then slowly I got technology, and all of a sudden now I accepted technology. But there was one point in my life, like, where there was no phones, there was nothing, there wasn't even, like, I remember before internet, like, what was internet? And all of a sudden there was internet, it's like, what's this? So, like, my generation went through that. So, but I remember when I got a smartphone, and I thought, man, the capabilities of this thing are just amazing, like, the things you can do with it. Now, my mother had a flip phone. Now, if you've ever, like, I tried my hardest to be like, okay, do you not understand, like, what you can do with the smartphone? 
And you know what? She had her flip phone, and she's like, I don't care. Like, this is the, I don't really, it doesn't matter to me because I don't see, like, the importance of it. I'm not going to use it. It's really not something. And I saw, like, the things I could do with a smartphone was, like, amazing. Like, I could do this. I could look up this. I could get apps. I could take pictures. I could do everything in my life, like, I could do right here. And you have a flip phone. Like, do you not understand how much you could do with this? And she didn't care. Now, I look at that and say that on such a bigger level, the word of God, like we take it for granted, like we don't even understand how important and how our life should be lived by this and what we get and learn. Like we should be in awe of this. And when it says all scripture is breathed out by God, like that should put you in awe. And we should not take this for granted. Truth is to be learned. So I would ask you, are you learning it? Like if we have this incredible thing that God has given us, and this is one of the responsibilities that truth is to be learned, are we learning? Are you, is this something that you're like, well, no, nah. Or are you diving in and saying, listen, You know, the more you put in, the more you get out. That is the principle. The more you study, the more you learn, the more excited you get, the more you get out and the more you want to learn. And that is the way it goes. So truth is to be learned. And I would ask you, are you learning? With the measure you use, it will be measured to you. All right, let's go on to the next verse. Verse 25. For to the one who has, more will be given. And from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. So if you look at this, this is a continuation of the same thought. This is the law of increase. And it makes sense, right? The more that they know, the more that they understand, the more that they're capable of knowing, right? For to the one who has, more will be given, right? So the more you learn, the more you will understand, Um. You look at this, this as the same as like exercising or effort. If you put into something, right, the more physical you exercise, the more strength you get, the more that you can do it. Um, skills, just like I mentioned with the guitar, the more you put into it, the better you get, the easier it becomes, and the more you can do with it. The more we live in obedience and practice truth, the more responsibility we are given. Right? The more you learn, the more you understand, the more you know, it kind of widens your eyes and says, oh, now this is a responsibility that I have. So what do we see here about truth and the responsibility? Truth is to be lived out. Truth is to be lived out. Truth is to be practiced. It's not just something that we sit back and we learn. And, I, and I'm with you that I think learning is extremely important, that we should be growing in our knowledge of Scripture and truth and continue to be growing. But you know what? We need to be living it out in our lives. The truth is to be practiced. Uh, in Matthew, we see the same idea. Matthew 13, verses 10 through 13. It says, Then the disciples came and said to him, Why do you speak to them in parables? And he answered them, to you it has been given to know the secrets of the, king, of the kingdom of heaven, but to them it has not been given. For to the one who has, more will be given. 
and he will have an abundance. So we see that this is uh, across the Gospels here. But from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. If you don't use it, you lose it, right? And I, I totally can acknowledge that. If you're like me, like, I'll memorize Scripture. I'll be like, I'm, I'm good. I know this text. I'm going to memorize it. I think it's going to be very helpful. And I memorize it, and then a month goes by, and I'm like, okay, I didn't even, like, I can't remember it now. Like, it's gone. Like, I didn't use it, so I lost it. Like, the truth needs to be lived out and needs to be practiced. And the more, uh, to the one who has, more will be given. So I want to go back to uh, 2 Timothy. We read verse 16, but then I want to add 17. So 16 was, all scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness. Verse 17, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. So you see the purpose there in, that, in those two verses is what? It is profitable for teaching, for reproof, for learning, right? But why is that, that the man of God may be complete? So you see that it's just not about the learning. To be complete in this, you're equipped for every good work, right? That means you got to live it out. you got to do it. Truth is to be lived out. So I would ask you, what you learn, is it being lived out? It doesn't matter how much you learn, if you're not living it out, it doesn't make a difference. And I would say in your relationships, are you living out in your relationships? Are you living it out in your conversations? You know, are you living it out in your serving? Like the way that you come together as the body and serve other people, are you living it out? Just as like, as we talked about OCC, as we talk about Target Dayton, as we talk about different ways to serve the body here and different ways to serve the community, I would ask, truth is to be lived out. Are you living it out? All right, so as we have gone through this parable, I hope that you have taken something from it that you didn't see when you originally read it. And I hope you had ears to hear as we went through it. So as we have looked at this, we have seen what the text reveals about truth and the responsibilities given. So truth is to be seen, right? To be shared. You think about the light hidden, or is it to be revealed? So truth is to be revealed. Truth is to be heard. Remember, listen up. Truth is to be learned. Truth is to be lived out. And these are the responsibilities that are shown through this parable. So what is your next step today? So I made a short next step because I wanted something that you could remember that would help me to remember also when I think about, like, what is my responsibility as a follower of Christ. I don't want to be complacent. I don't want to do nothing. So what is our next step? Our next step is this. Take responsibility. Take responsibility. You know, a lot of times we use that phrase, and what does it mean? It's usually like, oh, man, I messed up. I messed up, and I need to take responsibility for what I did, right? But I want you to think about it in a way that, like, God has provided the opportunity. You see the role that's there. Now you need to take responsibility. Like, this is a challenge that I'm giving you. And are you taking responsibility in your walk? So we must be obedient 
to the truth. You have to do it. You know, I've started reading a book. I'm about three or four chapters in, and it's called Pursuing Holiness. And um, as I read this book, I'm, I'm going to read it with a guy that I'm meeting with. And one of the things is this, op, this obligation that we have that as a Christ follower, we need to pursue holiness. It's something that, like, I'm, well, I'm a Christian, so I'm not going to do anything. I don't have any roles or responsibility. No, your responsibility is to pursue holiness, to strive for it. And what does that look like in our daily lives? So step one is surrender to the truth. Now, if you're here and, you've, and you have not trusted in Jesus, we want to be very clear about the gospel. You know, if you are here and you have not made that decision, you have to understand that you are born into sin, just as like as I said earlier. And you need to understand that the only way to have that relationship restored is through trusting in Christ, is trusting in Jesus because he is the one that took the punishment. So we have to surrender in that. Number two, let God use you in his plan. You got to understand your role. As part of the body, you have a role. You have a responsibility. And if you don't know what that is, if you're like, well, I need, I need to know. I'd love to talk to you about it. You know, God has made you for a plan and a purpose. And once you know that plan and that purpose and you're working in the way God wants you to work, there is no greater joy in your life. So let God use you in his plan. Understand your role. I keep coming back to this verse. And um, Ephesians 4, 11 through 13, it says this. It says, and he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and teachers, verse 12, to what? To equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ, until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. I keep coming back to this verse. You know why? Because it shows me my role. It shows me a purpose, and it should show you a purpose also. Why? Because I get to equip the saints. I get to stand here. I get to preach from God's word, and I get to equip you. What is the purpose of that? Well, it says to equip the saints for what? For the work of ministry. The role of a Christian is to work in ministry. With roles, there are responsibility. It's unacceptable to do nothing. And you think about every role in your life. It would be absurd. Any one of those roles. If you said, well, I'm a student, but, you know, I'm not going to class. Well, then what's the, no. You, you follow your roles. You follow your responsibility given to you. A husband and a wife. You, you take the responsibilities that are, are provided in that marriage because that's your role. As a parent, as an employee, all these things have roles. It's so very clear. The responsibilities that must be done. So above all those, being a Christ follower, especially being a Christ follower, has responsibilities. And you know what? That bleeds into all your other roles, right? So if I'm a Christ follower, 
and I follow the truth, I live out the truth, well, guess what? That bleeds into how I'm a husband. Oh, okay. So now I love my, I love my wife like Jesus loved the church, and I'll die for her. Okay, so my role here is a Christ follower bleeds over to what? Being a student. Okay, well, now I'm going to study the best I can. I'm going to be a light in the world, and that affects your role here. This role affects all the other roles, but you got to take responsibility. So I hope that you do. So get equipped and do the work. Let's pray. Father, we just come before you today just thankful. We praise you for your word. We're so thankful that as we learn from your word, Father, we are able to discern it. We are able to learn from it. We are able to grow, Father. And we just pray that you just help us to, to live our life that glorifies you. Father, I pray for anyone here who is not trusted in you. Father, I just pray that you would draw them close to you. I pray that they would continue to, uh, that they would be renewed, Father, and that they would live a life honoring you, Father. And I, and I pray for each and every believer here that they will see that there is a responsibility to the role that you have given them, a purpose and a plan, Father, that we are active in it, Father. We don't do these things in order that you will save us. But, Father, because you have saved us, we want to be um, honoring to you and do these responsibilities. So, Father, I just pray that you will help us to find that role, help us define it, and help us to serve and love the people around us well. So, Father, I'm just so thankful for this body that we can come together that we could have community together, that we could grow together, that we could learn together, and we could love together. And Father, we want to worship you together. So we thank you for this time that we have together today, and we want to give you all the praise. So we love you, we praise you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Thanks again for joining us today. If you have questions about this message or about the Ridge Church, you can contact us at info at Have a blessed day.